Trauma. It's a word that you've probably heard thrown around quite a bit, but what is trauma, really? My name is Shanna White, but you can call me Shan. I'm a psychologist and defining trauma is a pretty big part of my day-to-day life. But my job goes beyond providing a dictionary description of what trauma is, because that's just the tip of the iceberg, as they say. No, my job is to define trauma, to highlight its impacts, and most importantly, to help those who've lived through it to figure out how to thrive beyond it. I've spent years working with children, adolescents, and adults, trying to guide them through the process of recovering from complex trauma. Needless to say, I've seen and heard a lot, and now you will too. But first, a trigger warning. This podcast deals with some pretty heavy topics, including domestic violence, substance abuse, mental illness, crimes against children, self-harm, sexual abuse, multi-generational trauma, and suicide. If you don't think you're in the right headspace to deal with any of these topics right now, please cut yourself some slack, take a deep breath, and come back another day. I'll be here. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and elders on all the lands on which we work and meet. I appreciate the significant place Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders hold, and I identify them as the first Australians. I value and celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, culture, and future, and I'm committed to supporting reconciliation through speaking the truth, pursuing justice, and creating opportunities to heal together. I pay my deep respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past and present and acknowledge all Aboriginal children, young people, families and staff who I provide services to now and in the future. I embrace and commit to the spirit of work and self-determination, empowerment and reconciliation. The Trauma Tale started as a little passion project to entertain me during lockdown, but it's turned into something so much more than I ever could have imagined. I'm the host, the producer, the admin, marketing, content developer, social media manager and designer. I could sell the Trauma Tales, but that would mean that the anonymity of the people I interview wouldn't be as protected as it is now. See, it's only me who knows and I swore to protect the people who share their stories with you. But that means that I don't get to take in any of the network's funds either. So to keep the trauma tales running, I've launched a Patreon account for those of you who want more than just the regular seasons. Patreons will be entitled to discounted merch, extra content, and heaps more, like Q&As with me. So to help me keep this podcast going, jump on the link in the show notes and make a one-time contribution or a monthly subscription so I can keep sharing these stories with you and protect those who honour us with their tales. I I love people, right? I got all the respect in the world for people. And people that relate on a different level, whatever level that is, and get a good vibe from, you name it, it's done. You need time, it's done. Like... You need a week, it's done. Like, whatever. Like, of course. What you have to say is important. I want people to hear you. Appreciate it. Like, I, uh, yeah, I think, again, it goes back to, I didn't have a lot of confidence as a kid. I was very nervous, right? And that's the term I came up with. Well, not I came up with, it's just the term I adopted because that's all I knew. I didn't fucking know what this anxiety thing was, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't think I have anxiety. I think I just, I think it was um, environmental as a child and some things will play on some different, you know, things that might have happened growing up and then that will freak me out and I'll just get like really, oh my God, like I'm either going to, slip and slide into the bottom of a pit or I'm going to fucking punch through a wall and I don't want to do either one of those so I'm going to change my environment right now and again like I'm talking it wasn't too long ago right like coming to this country I was still the same I, w- I was like that like this was two years ago two, two, and, two and a quarter oh I I've, the the foot on the cliff was this country 
Wow. So yeah, you changed your freaking environment. You moved to the other side of the world. Well, you know, I thought about my mother. I thought about my mom. My mom's my best friend. Like, can't do that to her. And I also, I'm now fine talking about it because I'm like, I built the confidence in myself, right? By going back into that closet, pulling the skeletons out, beating the shit out of them and actually burying them rather than sticking them back in the closet and, and hooking it up and putting a, putting a lock on it, mm-hmm. right? I've been like, damn, dude, like, if this thing called life was going to take you out, <laughs> it would have done it a long time ago. Like, you, you wouldn't have got through this, man. Like, there's the law of averages dictates that your card would have come up and it would have been done. Right. So the matter of fact that I'm I'm still here, still doing my thing, albeit I've fucking been fired five times in two years. Right. But I'm still doing my thing. I'm still getting by. Like that must there must be some sort of omen or a sign, right? And then I'll still get people re- like, how am I teaching life? to a lady in her early 40s who's married with three kids. How the fuck am I teaching life to this person? You know what I mean? I'm like, Alex, pull up your fucking pants, put on your big boy boots. All right, doesn't matter how things get, you're good. Like, you would never have made it out of Manchester, but you did. And you wouldn't have made it out of Southampton, but you did. You wouldn't have made it out of London, but you did. Then you made it out of Auckland, then you made it out of Christchurch. You wouldn't have done that shit, but you did. So... I was gonna if this thing was gonna take me out it would have done it before and that's what i relate to other people if this thing would have taken you out we wouldn't have been having this conversation right the honest to god the amount of people that come to me for fitness mm-hmm. right and that will always be my love and passion you know it's great it's, it was my church it's how i dealt with things it's how i didn't end up in prison or dead like that's it but after a couple of literally three questions and a three minute conversation, you're like, cool, you're doing that. So you're not a drug addict. You're doing this because your marriage is fucked. You're doing this because you're suicidal. You're doing this because of whatever. And I'm like, they're the problems, man. Right. I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, I'm a fucking counselor and all that. But it's like, no, 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 but that's still part of your job part of my job is to hear them right and then going going back to i'm blessed because i've been to those places so now i can feel them so i'm like cool if i hear you and feel it now i know what to do that's just the experience and it's the easy part let's squat and deadlift right movement right it sounds and that's the thing it sounds really simple but what you're actually doing knowingly or unknowingly, is actually a resilience-building exercise that we use 100%. in therapy and psychology all the time about using evidence of, of mastery, of historical mastery. So we go, okay, let's talk about a time where you have been able to achieve this thing that might be, you know, on a scale, um, uh, a 5 out of 10 when this thing that you're trying to achieve is a 6 out of a 10 and, and that you did achieve a 5 out of a 10, which makes it much more likely probable that you'll be able to achieve the thing that's a 6 out of 10. So we, we use those tools about building resilience, which is exactly what you're doing anyway. Thank you. Um, I don't know if it's coincidental. Um, or, I, well, I, I don't think I'm naturally any, you know, smart in this shit i think it's probably just luck um but also no i think there are people who have a natural affinity um like there are the amount of people that like i i also usually always ask if the person sitting in front of me particularly the first time have you seen a therapist before or have you seen a mental health professional before and um if no I'll sort of say, okay, well, you know, why or why not? Depends on the situation, obviously. And if they say, yeah, I've seen this one and this one and this one, I'll often ask, okay, how long have you seen them for? 
what were you seeing them for and what ended that relationship for you? And for so many people, so many people, it will bring up that they didn't feel connected or they didn't feel that their therapist was connected to them. They found it very clinical. They found it quite um, authoritarian. And whilst I'm not, I'm certainly not accusing other, other psychologists of doing that purposefully, sometimes that's a space that we are trained to occupy um, with things like, you know, learning how to manage boundaries and learning how to hold the responsibility of the room and learning how to hold the, how to hold authority knowingly and intentionally for advocacy rather than power mm-hmm. is a really important trait. Um, and some people just don't have that. They just don't have that. Um and some people do. So many people just naturally have that space um, where they just hold authority because they are advocating for you. nurses, right? Perfect example. Nurses, yeah. Nurses, they'll come in and they'll jab you, and they're not gonna they're not gonna sugarcoat it. They're not gonna be nice. You know, they're not gonna be sugary sweet about it. You need a needle. It's happening. I'm advocating for you. You don't have to like. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They they hold that authority, but they don't hold it in a in a vessel of power they hold it in a vessel of advocacy and that's I, that's where that trust comes from and mm. when people trust you well for me my experience has been when people trust me because I am genuinely myself in that space and I don't carry the authority overtly unless I need to then that creates safety. That's a safe space. I think you can see it in someone's eyes. I always say, like, you show me someone's eyes, I'll, I'll tell you how they feel. That's it. I don't have that trait. I don't have that skill. It'd be good. It's, Very helpful. I don't know. I think I... I think it is a bit of natural talent. Again, speaking to my mum, like kind of she uncovered that little gem and I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of a lot of sense. Cause yeah, have I'd you be ever looked like, into being a HSP? I don't know what that is, to be honest. This episode of the Trauma Tales is brought to you by Cognitive Behavioral Education, providing training and supervision for people working with people who experience trauma. If you work with people, you know how challenging it can be sometimes and how you can end up having the wrong end of someone's day or having to deal with their trauma. CBE's training and supervision services can upskill and support you and your team to manage, de-escalate and thrive in these situations. For more information, go to www.cbe.net.au. Oh, sorry. Uh, HSPs, we, often we call people who are HSPs empaths and we use the terms sort of interchangeably, but they're kind of not, but it's not really, I'm not really totally up with that. But um, have a look into um, highly sensitive person, even just YouTube it or look it up on um, any I'm sort right of, down. yeah, YouTube's really good for that stuff. Highly sensitive person. And it's not just about emotionally sensitive. So the title sounds to some like it would be an insult, but it's actually not necessarily just about emotions. It's about all aspects and it. They could be sensory sensitivities. They could be so many different things. It could be interrelational sensitivities. So if you have a look into it, I think you might find some really interesting resources that could be quite self-reflective for you as well. Thank you. Like I do think, I do think there's probably something in there that is you know a a um nature talent but also like i've had the absolute honor of working with so many fucking people along the years of of coaching right in so many different scenes of so many different backgrounds and ethnicities and abilities and ages and genders and like you name it right and you just start learning people 
you learn those soft skills. And I think those soft skills are the hard skills, right? Like, congratulations, you can memorize a fucking textbook. High five. Now go relate it to the real world and you fucking shit your pants. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, ask and listen and observe and work it out, right? And I, I don't know, I, I probably go a little bit OTT, but I'm like, as I'm sure you can relate in your field, I'm like, this is my field, right? Helping people mentally and physically and then referring on when we can't is fucking coaching right so they've come in and for those 60 minutes this person's physical and mental well-being is in your hands it's your responsibility Mm -hmm. so wouldn't you want to do and have to do everything and anything to be able to help this person you can get by right but then they're just going to get by you want them to absolutely fucking thrive and like you know, it's, it is hard because, I, you know, you try and teach that on to, to fellow coaches. I'm like, read their fucking eyes. And they're like, I don't get it, bro. You're like, uh, wh- what do you mean you don't get it? Like, you can see it in their eyes. They're stressed. Or you can see it in their eyes and you can relate that to a conversation you had three weeks ago. And you know they've had an argument with their spouse. You don't even need to tell me. But the amount of people, right? Again, going off on a tangent, so slap me if I go crazy. The amount of people that have come up to me and been like, Alex, I, I want to I talk to you about something I've not actually told anybody about, right? And in my head, I knew exactly what they were going to say before they fucking said it. And obviously, I'm not going to be like, oh, I already know. You know, it's like, cool, you listen and blah, blah, blah. And then I go also play a game with myself. I'm like, am I correct? Because if I'm not, where did I... When did I lose it, right? I'm like, okay, where, which avenue, when I reached which cross-section, when I went right, where should I have gone left, right? Where did I slightly miss it so then I can learn for the next person, right? But honestly, most of the time, they come up to me and I'm like, you know, I'm talking like some deep-ass shit just so, because I'm observant with tone, I'm observant with the words used. Like, as, as we can all tell, I throw some beautiful English out there, right? And I will observe how people react in, in the way I communicate, the way other people communicate. And I think that's so fucking important for, for our roles, right? Because I attack it from the dance floor, everyone's moving around, things are crazy. And I also need to attack it from a little bit of like a, you know, mental well-being perspective, then you're going deep academic i'm going to sort you out going sit down let's go for it practical and from those both two extremes we've got this like wellness in the middle Mm. but those soft skills are needed on both extremes and i think it's i think it's so important it's interesting to me that you you hear the words and you look for those nuances in in language um, because i recognize behaviors I'll see mm-hmm. patterns of behaviours of people across time and I know, like, I can read what they're physically doing. I can even read where they sit in the room. Mm. How are we? You know, and, and it's, it's, and I try to explain the recognition of people's patterns and when I see them doing different things across time and other people, again, it's that innate, is and this is not just the people I work with this is in my own life um I recognize people's patterns of behavior and what they're kind of um and because their patterns of behavior reflect their mood and their mental state to me so I know okay we're not okay today because you're doing this and this and this and sometimes I can't explain it but it when I go okay well because I know this of myself I'm able to go okay what's the pattern what's the behaviors what are you seeing um rather than for you, which is what am I hearing? So yours is about like that in auditory intake and mine's very much about that behavioural intake, what do I see? I mean, you can also tell, you know, on the floor, like how people react, like a lot of people's faces can't fucking hide things, you know, but um, it, it, it's very, it, it's very interesting when you, you look at it in, in that way. Right. Because then you can start understanding people. And I think that's really important. Like, I don't know if we spoke about it um, last time, but it's like communicating in someone else's love language rather than your own. 
Mm. Right. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is if you understand the other person. <laughs> and the only way if you do that is you fucking watch and listen to the other person. Right. And be like, oh, okay. When I do this, I get this response. And that's kind of negative. Hmm. If I want to like create some sort of connection and build upon that, I probably need to stop doing that. Duh. And just look, rinse and repeat. Uh, I look for reciprocity or the, the underlying motivation of reciprocity and communication. Is the person waiting for their turn to talk? Mm. Or are they working to share information? Which mm. one is it? One's ex, like inclusive of the other person and the other one's it's really just about them. So, you know, you can have a conversation with someone and it's, uh, and we've all had those conversations where you, you, you're just waiting for each other's turn to talk. Yeah. Right? Isn't that, totally. what lawyers, isn't that what lawyers do? Yeah. That's a dig at one of my friends, really close friends who's a lawyer. Okay. I'll have a little dig too. I'll, I'll get a phone call for that one. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but, in other conversations, like I've noticed that we've interrupted each other a couple of times, but I think that's because we're actually working because I want to give you this thing. Mm. I want to share this thing. Like there's a there's a reciprocity in that space together, which is that and that synergy, which is really lovely. But I want to go back to you and your trauma and your story. So you said there was two, well, you said there were three things that mm. came to mind when we first broach the topic if you, you want to dive yeah, yeah yeah i mean let's 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 go like i respect We're the shit out of you so you ask me a question i'll give you the answer you know like i'll, I'll shoot it straight um yeah yeah so num number two kind of you could kind of relate it to number three i guess it's a little bit different to the first one number two i was like 13 right and um my mom um you could say it was in an abusive relationship it went really sour right really sour and bearing in mind my mom's five foot four probably weighed about 60 kilos 65 at the most right she's a small lady i'm hmm. um, seeing this bloke who was i'm gonna say about 10 years younger right was six foot three 120 kilos. Mm -hmm. Right. And built like a brick shit house and would throw his weight around. Right. And would also get very, very verbally aggressive. Now, um, I think it goes back to environment and upbringing and also my dad. Like I remember having a phone call with my dad and I was single figures and he turned around and was like, son, you're the man in the house. If anything goes down, you've got to step in and protect your mom. I'm fucking single figures, right? And I don't wish that to change, right? And hear me out. Because having gone through that from so many years and it fucking me up in a, long, in a lot of ways, I now, in the position I'm in now, I'm in a very beautiful spot mentally from that, right? Um, so I wouldn't change it. But anyway, going back to the start, about 30, they'd actually split it up. And my mom was out and I was just watching telly in the front room. And I hear this music blasting, like ear piercing blasting. I was like, what the fuck is that? Turn the telly off, look out the, the window and he's there in his car on the drive, gripping all the steering wheel, absolutely deafening, blasting this music. Mm -hmm. revving the engine right yeah I'm like what is he doing here so you got you got nothing here you got no 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 kit here none of your stuff is here you got nothing to do with us anymore i'm thinking and i i i thought about it again it probably goes back to the natural gift as an empath i feel what other people are feeling and i can walk down the street right and i can see someone i'm and a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time, I'll actually start feeling how they feel. It's actually really crazy. And it 
does think I do think I'm fucking nuts most of the time. But anyway, I looked at him. And I was like, cool. I know why the fuck you're here. Went to the kitchen, pulled out the biggest fucking kitchen knife we had, went to the front door and said to myself, I made a fucking promise. And when I promise things, I fucking mean it of like, if he gets out of this car, I'll kill him. I ain't going to scare him. I ain't going to hurt him. I'm going to stop him from living. I'm going to take this man's life. I'll call the cops. I'll fucking give myself in no problem. Like, I'm not going to like bullshit or anything. I was like, but I will take him out. And I will lay down. That'll, that'll be me finished, right? Let's go down for life. That's it. She's done. And I remember that fucking rage. Like, and I think this is another reason why dudes don't want to feel things. And dudes still want their reaction to be aggression because it's it's emotionless. You don't feel anything, man. Like you could come up to me and whack me in the fucking bollocks and I'd look you in the eye and start laughing. Like it wouldn't do anything. It obviously, it would mess you up after the fact. But like if you're legitimately in that spot of rage, you don't feel a thing. And I made that, I made that decision. I made that, that promise to myself. Anyway, he didn't, he didn't switch to the door. He backed out the drive. He drove off. And to this day, neither of us have had, it, had any other contact. Now, I don't know if that's someone looking out for me, someone looking out for him, or someone looking out for us both. But I remember his face. I remember that situation. I got a really, really poor memory. Like, really poor. Like, I'll forget what I do in the mornings. And, like, I've been, had a lot of concussions and got Alzheimer's in the family. And, you know, memory doesn't, isn't my strong point but I remember this bloke's face and the feeling I had at that time right and for a very very long time that is where I would go exactly there if I'm ever going for a heavy lift if I'm ever going for a PR attempt if I'm ever trying to wind myself up or get myself back in the zone lifting right I've been lifting lifting weights not training just lifting weights 13 years, right? That would have been 12 years ago. So since then, I always go to that place, that one event, one event, same time. And I'm ready to break the fucking Bible into. If anyone talks to me, I will rip your head off. It's like, don't come near me if I go to that place mentally. Now I can go to that place, but I can also safely come out of it. Wow. Because right? I can go to that place. I used to be able to go to that place and it would mess me up and it would have some repercussions. Right? It would hurt and it would scare me a bit. Right? It's like running through the fire, but spending a little bit too long standing on the uh, standing in the flames. It's yeah. going to scare you. It's going to burn you. Right. And then it's going to take a while for that to heal. But now I'm like, cool. I know how long I can stay in that space. So then I can get some work done. Right. I can use it in a positive way, in a constructive way, rather than it destroying me and, and it, and using it in, in a destructive way. So now that I think that's trying trial and error. I think that's being very self-aware. Again, I am a very self-aware person. Like I'll overanalyze myself and how I can, become better whether it's towards someone else whether it's towards myself whether it's situational job wise whatever like um that's something that i've learned along the way is to um see how my actions can affect other people right and be quite self-aware with with all that and then also how my actions would then affect myself um but yeah now i'm in a place where i can go in there i can use it but i can also come out and I'm like, cool, I'm going to put that to bed now. You know, I'm going to put it back in its coffin. I'm going to put it back in the, in the grave, you know? And, and it, I think, honestly, it goes back to I'm a different person every day because I relate that to him, right? Because I'm like, brother, this was a long time ago, right? And yeah, okay, for all I know, you're the same person. But for all I know, you're a completely different person. Right. And we've all done shit you're not proud of. So I'm like, how can I keep that animosity on you if you're completely different? 
because yeah. I don't I don't know that like yeah okay you could be the same person and it might be correct but all I know from that is then that is destroying me and I've got to be able to I've got to be able to leave that because then that is that is affecting and hindering how I can help other people going forward just because I've not let let go of that balloon. You said something in there that I want to come back to, which was being being an empath or a highly sensitive person, you read other people's feelings, you you take them on, and you said I knew what his intention was. Mm -hmm. What was that intention? As well, he ain't coming for me. His intention was to harm. He ain't coming for me. What was he there for, do you think? It wasn't to showcase his um, musical tastes. Well, they're not. Like, a place there where we were, a place where he's from, the individual he is, circles he used to hang around with, always associated with. And the look in his eyes, the body language, the revving of the engine, the loud music, the turning up unannounced, the on the drive, the aggressive nature, and that feeling, that vibe. Mm. I'm all about vibes, man. I had a bad vibe in my stomach. Not a bad feeling. You ain't here for me, pal. You rocked up to the fucking house. You obviously saw me mum's car's not there. It's the reason why you didn't get out of that car. Probably thought no one was home. You ain't there to break in to take shit. Because if you were there to do that, you would have come in and you would have done it. You ain't there to take your stuff back because, again, you'd have done the same thing. You're there for one reason and one reason only. To hurt your mom. 100%. Whether that's give her abuse, whether that is actually laser fist, who knows? I can't make that decision. I can't definitively say exactly what would have happened. Right? I'm not a fucking messiah. But there was one reason why I was there. And that worked for me. And he didn't know that you were there? To my knowledge, no. In this gift-giving season, I want to introduce you to Mind Love. They're a hamper company, but with a difference. So most hampers are like about flowers or wine or chockies, robes and candles. And these are all really lovely, but sometimes you want something more personal for the person's needs. Mind Love is a hamper company about our mental health. So you can go to the website and you can either build a hamper from scratch and put anything you like in it from a huge range of products. Or if you prefer, you can select from an already curated hamper and their products are incredible. So I actually had one made for Frankie's wife when she had surgery. It was chock full of amazingness. I selected the ultimate pamper package because she really needed some relaxation and self-care time after everything that had happened in the last few months. She loved it. She told me it was exactly what she needed. And Mind Love isn't just for adults. They have heaps of products and packages for kids and teens as well. So if you want to give something to support someone you love, show them that you hear them and that you see them and help to normalize mental health go to mindlove.com.au. That's M-I-N-D-L-O-V-E.com.au. Say hi to Jen for me. Tell her I sent you mindlove.com.au. All about prioritizing self-care and mental health. Wow. So you're what you now use in an empowering way you've I guess initially it was kind of framed as 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 like rage and hatred and, and really negative but underneath it it's actually actually about love and protection yeah man you gotta look after your mom that's it like I grew up most of my childhood was just me and my mom that's it I've seen her work two jobs all my fucking life. Like, and do a degree part-time 
And on the weekends, whenever she was in doing lectures, I'd go in and do my homework with her while she was in the fucking theater hall. I was like, you know what I mean? Like, and then I, people complain about whatever, or, you know, you might, even myself might get into a negative mindset. Like, the fuck are you talking about, man? Like, you witnessed your mother sleep for like three to four fucking hours for seven years to do a fucking degree to pass. I don't know what she got, but she got the degree, right? Doing that? two jobs. Um, English language, I think. Wow. Yeah. And you're the poet. Yeah, I know. Like, I have a dyslexic one too. Maybe sitting in those lectures halls might have rubbed off on you. I doubt it. <laughs> I absolutely doubt it. Maybe it was literature. I don't know. But one of the two. It's either one. You know, it's still English. It's still nonsense. So what's the third? Ah, man. So it's two occasions, but one, one's got a little bit more legs to it. So we'll go with that one. Um, how long ago was this? How old was I? I don't know, maybe 21. I'll go with 21, somewhere around there. Um, I was working at two gyms and I would work Monday to Friday, Monday to Thursday at one gym in a place called Southampton, which is um, if you go all the way down to the bottom of the UK, it's right in the middle, nice. right? For people that have no idea where that is, it's right in the middle, opposite the other way. And I do <clears throat> four days there, I close up Thursday night, lock the gym up, I drive an hour and a half into London. Um, I would sleep upstairs on the couch um, which they had this little fucking two-seater that I would just curl up on in the fetal position in my hoodie. Um, I'd coach all day and also treat people um, as a bit of manual therapy during that day. I'd lock up, do the same again. Saturday, do about half a day, maybe a little bit less. And then I would drive to me, um, me missus at that time, who was at uni. So I'd go sleep on a single bed and I'd, I mean, the camera doesn't really do me justice, but I'm kind of a wide motherfucker. So I basically had half an ass cheek on the bed. She was on the bed. And the rest was like perched up on this like metal shitty chair. And like, it was the weirdest position, but somehow I managed to get like 20 minutes of sleep, you know? And then I would drive back um, Sunday night. I'd sleep in my car, which I would do Monday through Thursday open up the gym and go again and um you you know, there's been a there's been a few inst instances you know like um when i first moved down south of england i didn't have anywhere to stay i didn't have any job and i just had this like again we we go by feelings that's the way i the, the way i live it's like I, I feel like i need to go down south again like i gave it a go got broke had to move home I worked four jobs, <clears throat> worked, worked 18 hour days, um, had to had to figure it out, saved up a little bit of money again. I was like, I don't have enough money to to like move into a place because I had to pay me mom and, and all this type of shit. And I'm like, cool, I had to ring my dad up because he lived in the south. And I was like, dad, like, I feel like I gotta come down. Like, do you know of anywhere I have this like cheap rent? It was like, ah, I've got no place in the house, but I've got a shed that you can have rent-free. I was like, rent-free? Motherfucker, I'm in. I appreciate it. So, you know, I lived in the shed, moved out, moved in with a couple of mates, got fucked over, was in a bit of a trouble. I had to kind of doss around in the car again. Ended up moving in with a, with a lady, um, as you do, young and dumb, you know. Women screw everything up. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, anyway, situations kind of go down a certain path and I end up paying her rent, which absolutely broke me. I was back to four jobs, 18 hour days. Um, and then I was back in the car and yeah, there's been three gyms I've slept in. One was in this country, two was back home. Um, there's been a few times I've had to sleep in the car. Like, it is what it is, man. You know, 
I say uh, life's, you know, life is pretty hard, but working class people play the game on hard mode. Mm-hmm. That's, that's their assessment. So how long were you homeless for? Uh, it was a few months and... Um, in the UK and was only like a couple of weeks here in, in, in Auckland. And then what the lady I actually went to go see for, for my little holidays recently, she's the lady that took me off, took me off the street. She didn't know it at the time. And I actually told her like a few months later, which, which was quite a funny situation and uh, quite a funny story really. How did being homeless impact on your mental health? So we, when we, you know, talked before, we were talking about riding the roller coaster of mental mm. health and suicide. How did homelessness impact on your mental health? So, honestly, Paul, during it, yeah, I knew I was down in the dumps. You know what I mean? But I knew I was down in the dumps for a long time, and now looking back is the the only time I can actually start to understand it of like I was in a state of survival for years like situation after situation like punch in the face after punch in the face like survival fucking where's where am I going to put my next step you know what I mean how am I going to eat my next meal like how am I going to pay the next week's rent full stop Never mind anything else. Yeah, okay, dreamer, ambitions. It's not going to be everything, but like, fuck all that because I'm going to die if I don't eat, mm. right? And I wrote it in one of the poems. And in fact, I don't even know if I published it or whatever, but the longest time I ever went without eating was 30 hours because I could not fucking afford it, right? And that at that stage, you're like, hmm, well, I might actually need to steal something because I'm going to die. You know, humans kind of need sustenance. Otherwise, we kind of, you know, croak ourselves. Mm-hmm. And looking back, and again, opening up these conversations and having deeper conversations with people very close to me um, here recently, we can then converse and then, you know, more doors get open because they bring something to the table that I wouldn't have thought about or or known. And then we can kind of, you know, conversation is a beautiful thing you end up in a weird place um i'm like oh i was just surviving i was on fight mode like adrenaline for years and no wonder like when things kind of got to a little bit of a peaceful state i would then get this like adrenal dump where i'd be super down but no fucking wonder mate because you're literally swiping and fighting everything right so then when you've got a second to you know sit down no wonder you're like shit that's a lot to digest where the fuck do i start how do i unload that and again coming from i had no tools right as in mental tools to do this i had nothing no idea about it like kind of i knew what well, i was i was writing poetry at the time but it was either that or or training and a lot of people over the like like a lot of people over the years have fucked me over. A lot of people. And I'm like, cool. So talking to people is out the window. <laughs> you know, so that's not gonna happen again. Fuck yous. Like, so I've got two things now. I've got I either train or I write poetry. And that's it. And how did it affect me? My mental health at the time? Well, yeah, it's fucked. Like, you're not going to be in a great place when you don't have a roof over your head. But also, I'm, I'm going to go left field with it. And again, coming back from, like, now, thinking back on it, I'm like, it goes back to that conversation. I'm like, dude, you're a bad motherfucker. It's like, what, you worked and lived upstairs in a gym and no one knew, and then you would kind of do a little bit of fishy things so a couple of protein porridge pots went missing so you could feed yourself right and then you'd slept in your car and stashed them so again you could feed yourself or my cool um a fucking sandwich goes missing from tesco 
right? Or I'm like, cool, I can I can pay for food, but I can't pay for rent. Mm-hmm. Food's more important than rent, right? I'm like, I'm paying some fucking nobody to keep the roof over my head, which is way overpriced, and I can't feed myself. I'd rather feed myself, live in my car, and figure it out. Something I always told me, ma'am, it'll work out. No idea how, no idea when. I knew why, because I put in the fucking work, right? Blindly, just let's go. Anything, passion, let's go. Gratitude, grateful for everything, honored to be a part of everything. Any opportunity, let's go. Like super passionate of, this is something I got to do, right? And I'm like, cool. I'm, we're playing cards again. You dealt me a bad hand. You've got fucking pocket aces. I got two seven off suit. I'm like, I'm pretty much fucked. But if I'm already all in, you know what I mean? I'm like, I better get real good at bluffing. That's, it's kind of it, you know, like, I know going in my head, everything's going to be fine. Whatever. You know, back against the wall, everything's going to be fine. Everyone leaves me. Everything gets drained. Bank accounts empty or dissolved. No clothes on my back. No possessions. No nothing. No friends. No relatives. No one knows I exist. I'll, all right. I'll figure it out. Getting a tattoo can be a really intense experience. The smell is unique. The space is often exactly what our parents' greatest fears for our teenies were, and sometimes the people can seem intimidating. And this can make it really hard to go through getting that tattoo, especially if you've never done it before. Trauma Tats is a boutique studio where the whole experience, from the time that you call or message, to supporting you to develop your artwork, to making you feel comfortable and safe in the space, to managing big emotions that tattoos can bring to your aftercare. The whole experience is about you and meeting your needs, where you're at making sure that the story that your tattoo is telling is nurtured and honored. With special care for those whose stories sit in the trauma space, you, your tattoo and your story are safe with trauma tats. If we've ever met or you've seen me online, you probably noticed that I have some tattoos. If you ask me, I'll tell you about them. My tattoos tell a story just like the ones that I share with you on the trauma tales. If you have a story to share or honour and want to do that in a space where you feel safe and respected, contact Trauma Tats, a professional tattoo studio, to work through what you've been through. Find them on Instagram or Facebook, at Trauma Tats 1T, and tell them Shan sent you. There's that resilience again. You know, like... You've got it because I think mentally and also situationally, it's put me in a place of there's no other option, right? Because there is another option. You kill yourself, right? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. There's, always, there's always a choice, mm. yep. right? But you've got to be able to fucking trick yourself. If there is no option because I ain't going to do that because I'm not done and I deserve more. I write the end of my fucking story. You don't fucking write it for me. So I'm like, cool, let's keep going. Like, all right, sound. We're playing a game of cards. Like, if you want to fuck me over or situations want to do this, basically, all you've done is show me what's in your hand. Like, here you go, Alex. I'm holding a really strong hand. Thank you. But now I'm playing knowing what's in your hand. It's a win-win. So how are you now? Up and down, as with life. When the storm passes, it takes time for the waves to settle. Yeah. I used the analogy about waves too. Did you? Always do. Yeah, emotions are like waves. They come in, they go away. Whether they're good, they're bad. They come in, they go away. Sometimes we get king tides. Sometimes we get low tides. Sometimes we get a fucking tsunami. Hopefully, mm. we only have a couple of tsunamis in our time. Yeah, and um, we make it to higher ground. Yes. Well, yeah, Jesus. ideally. Yeah, you don't get a lot of them in Manchester. <laughs> no, because that's quite inland, isn't it? Well, not that inland, you know. But... Is anything particularly inland? Like, we, we think inland, we think of, like, 
full roof. <laughs> Whereas in the UK, you don't have that distance. No, you can. I mean, if I drew like a horizontal line across the Manchester is, you could probably drive from coast to coast. Uh, I don't know, four hours, five hours. That's a road trip. No, that's not a road trip. <laughs> you Aussies are mental. Oh, I'm just going to nip down the shop. Comes back three days later. I was like, where the fuck are you being? So I went to the shop. It took us a day and a half to get there. It took a day and a half back. I was like, that's not a shop, mate. That's a holiday. Yeah, I've driven. I drove from Sydney to Darwin. That doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, Darwin's like right up the top. Oh, my God. Fuck that. <laughs> took about four days, I think. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Much. That's too silly now. I drove back from Darwin, back down to Sydney, driven to Melbourne, driven, yeah, Australia, Aussies drive. So what you're saying is you're to blame for global warming. That's not what, I, oh, fuck. Pick yourself out of that one. <laughs> but, it, it walks. Well, yes, effectively, just like everybody else, Thank just you like very everybody much. else. I mean, <laughs> it is so true. It's so true. So how do you look after yourself and your mental health now? You train? I, yeah, like, you know, like we said before, like I, I think everything is therapy. Like having these conversations now is a beautiful thing for me. Like so doing your this. podcast. Let's talk about your podcast. <laughs> yeah, we can do, yeah. Why did um, you start the Nomad podcast? Well, it used to be 80 fit. Okay. So that was just, it's, it's exactly the same. I just rebranded it. Um, basically to stick all what I do in one place rather than it being like all disjointed and all over the place. Like, fuck, it's kind of like stick it together. And, and realistically, I'm going to continue being a nomad for a while. So it kind of goes with the, you know, goes with the setting. You are the uh, Goes with the theme. Yeah, exactly. Um, when I started, um, like I said, I was working in the fitness industry 11 years, right? And everyone comes up to me and, and you know, all that shit goes on and dealing with their own stuff or whatever. But that was a time where my stuff went on the back burner and I was like, um, I'm present. Like, I, I love this shit. I leave drained, drained as shit. Yeah, granted. And even when I'm fucking sleeping rough, like, it's pardon the pun, rough to be able to put on a face and coach, but I love helping people. And the fact is people come up to me and be like, Alex, like you're the reason why I didn't step off the platform to swing from a noose. Like how the fuck can that not fire you up? Right? Like, and people would come to me all the time and be like, you know, I'm really struggling with X, Y, and Z. I'm like, I'm a fucking, why are you coming to me, man? Like I'm working class. West side of money, figuring my shit out, broke his piss. It's like, well, well, okay, like let's let's roll. Obviously, I wouldn't say why you're coming to me, but it would it would clock in my head. I'm like, we're helping these people physically every day, man. Like five days a week, six days a week, I'm seeing these people five, six days a week. I'm spending hours with these people. I spend more time with these people than they do with their family. I'm like, but they're still not all right. I'm like, what the fuck, we're missing something here. You know, coming in and I can see it again. I can see it. I can feel it. And then they obviously they tell me, I'm like, all right, fuck. So I go to all the gym owners that I coached over all the time. And I was like, guys, we need to do something for people's mental health. And, mate, I've worked in 17 different fitness places. Every one of those that were a gym, well, not 17 of them, because I've worked in leisure centers, private places, football clubs, all types. I was like, every one of those that were a gym, probably roughly 10, every single owner told me to go fuck myself. I was like, that's not your job. That's not our job. It's going to cost too much. You're going to waste too much mental energy helping these people in a way where we're not going to gain more money. No, that's not our place. Go refer them, tell them to go away. You shouldn't have those conversations with people. If they open up to you, you should tell them to go talk to someone else. Like, how the fuck can you have the audacity to talk to someone like that? And I was like, you know what? 
fine, fuck it. I'm going to start talking. So, you know, it started off with me and a mic. I'm using the same fucking mic. It cost me like 99 quid. I started off just like, you know, a little bit of myth busting, just tell, shooting from the hip, telling straight, right? And started off with the slogan was like the lifestyle of fitness. So again, it was bridging fitness, health, mental health, everything in, in combined. And then that slowly weaned down to bridging the gap between mental and physical health. And that is the entire reason for it, right? And that's I get, hey, that's your niche. That's my niche. You know, like I've had ex Olympians on. I've had people that are seriously high up in the coaching scene that if they sneeze, the whole fitness industry follows. Like, and we've gone deep dive into like people's behavior and and coaching and and fitness. And we've had like doctors in fucking physical therapy on. But I've also had people like yourself on. I've had like spiritual healers. I've had all, all types of shit from everything, right? And I think that's the fucking point of, okay, we're going to take this one, we're going to take that one, we're going to take this one, we're going to take that one, we're going to put it in a melting pot, we're going to stir it up, and we're going to say, hey, this is life. And if it takes someone who talks weird, looks a bit funny, and is seriously white to start this conversation... Hey, I'm, I'm working on my tan. Me, you don't, not you. <laughs> You know, like, I might find, you know, and if if someone is a fucking subscribed or whatever, or, or they've listened to a few, they can see the pattern, right? They've seen the patterns of, I've had poets on that we, we can obviously relate on a different level. So the feelings going through the pen and getting the permanence of the pen on. And then we've had, like, like I said, Olympians and, and Sykes and, and all this stuff, right? And I'm like, we all say the same shit. We all fucking come from the same place right we just got different expertise and that's the fucking point work together rather than working against each other and i just think it's you know like it's given a space for for me to talk about it because i, I respect the the space that we create right so we've opened up a space now we're creating i'm like respect the shit out of you or respect the shit out of this this space that we've created cool i will meet you with honesty and it's just a bit weird that we click something called record and then send it out on the world wide web and people can listen in into a conversation like a fly on a wall. It's weird. Right. But also people can benefit from it. I'm like, fuck. Okay, fine. Like, yeah, I've got the written medium. People can pick it up and it's a bit in a poetic format. It's thinking about things in a different way. It might rhyme. It might not. Fantastic. We've got the gym where it's, don't fucking talk to me, let's work, right? And then also we've got a, just an honest conversation where it's unscripted, unedited, let's just go, let's talk about it. And, you know, I've had some had some blokes on and they've spoke to me about mental health with two lads just having a conversation about mental health. I'm like, fuck, man, this could like, this could make me cry of how important and also beautiful this thing is. And my goal for this year is to make a make a studio so we can then have visual too. And I really want um, I want to do some cool shit with the studio. Like the idea is, I want like local artists, just artwork on the back, and um, I want like artwork from homeless on the back, so then people can can purchase it and it and it goes to help them out. You know what I mean? So like a community driven thing and like we like i said everything's been pulled together so society people get so, pulled together i just had a thought maybe you could speak to those um homeless artists about bringing that vision to life that you talked about earlier when we were talking about your suicidality and your suicide attempts and that if someone walked in and turned the light on the person who feels so alone would realize that they're not. Mm. Maybe you could make that space where people are not alone. Mm. You can turn the light on. It's fucking beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast today. Uh, boss, I told you, like, I got so much respect for you and everything that you do. So, like, you snap your fingers, I'll, I'll figure it out. I've I'll, I'll, always got time for you, so I appreciate it. 
and are you. Thank you. Anytime we can work together again, we will be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you for joining me today on the Trauma Tales. Now is a good time to go and do some self-care, especially if this tale resonated for you. If you'd like to reach out to the Trauma Tales to be a sponsor of the show or to come onto the show, please email the Trauma Tales, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Shanna White Psychology. Thank you for joining me today on the Trauma Tales. Now is a good time to go and do some self-care, especially if this tale resonated for you. If you'd like to reach out to the Trauma Tales to be a sponsor of the show or to come onto the show, please email the Trauma Tales, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Shanna White Psychology.